a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jason Comstock, and welcome to We Happy Few, the podcast that allows veterans and their families to tell their stories. Uh, my name is Michael Hendry. Uh, I served in the United States Army as an infantryman, 11 Bravo. Uh, 11 Bravo, 2-0 Papa. Uh, uh, Sergeant Michael Hendry um, served with the 82nd Airborne and 10th Mountain Light Infantry. I served six years, 16 weeks to the day um, in ETS and got out of the Army to smoke pot and pay taxes. So when did you join? Uh, I actually enlisted in 04. Okay, and why? And why the Army? Uh, as uh, my children will know, uh, my family is inundated with Marines. Um, and Muscles are required. Intelligence not essential. Let me lay that down real quick. Um, but Sorry, they, they fire right back as aren't real men yet or aren't real yes. Marines yet. So we take it in stride. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's kind of like the big brother picking on the little brother. So, Well, uh, I grew up on the East Coast. Um, I was born in Long Island, uh, New York. I was adopted and um, to a great family. Uh, my mom and dad are great. My birth mom was um, strung out on drugs, and uh, they, she put me up for adoption. Had a contract before, so uh, that is these are my mom and dad. So uh, my dad worked for the FAA; he did really well. My mom worked for the United States Bankruptcy Court; she was a computer programmer. And uh, so we 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 usually wherever my dad's job would take us, we moved up and down the East Coast. My dad's from Beltsville, Maryland. My mom's from. Um, Portsmouth, Virginia, so southeasternmost portion of Virginia, and um, so you know, I we spent time in New York, uh, New Jersey, you know, stuff like that. I had a lot of family, you know, we had family members named San Martino, about as Italian as you can get. Uh, and then nine eleven happened, and I remember sitting in computer class, and uh, one of our one of my one of one of the students came in and said, "Have you seen the f-ing TV yet?" And we said. No, I listened to Miss Morgan. Like, no, I remember exactly where I was when that happened. And we bailed out of class. We went to the closest TV. We watched it. And, you know, we were like, oh, my God. Everybody was panicking. Everybody was crying. We started all crying. And uh, then I remember September 14th when um, we walked out of school and you couldn't see the sun because the smoke had rolled down the coast. And I just remember thinking we're breathing dead bodies. And my dad told us that. And I remember never being able to, like, really shake that. And, uh... How old were you? Oh, gosh. I was, uh... 16? 17? Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost 17. And I wanted to drop out of high school and enlist. And my dad said, you'll be the dumbest guy I've ever met if... I went to a private school. Mm-hmm. My parents, they sent me to Chesapeake Bay Academy. And, um... Uh, I, I was diagnosed... Sorry, Army, uh, with ADHD, ADD. So it was, a, it was a humbling special education school. My graduating class had 13 kids. So there was one teacher, one teacher's aide to every eight students. So um, it was very costly, uh, about 
as much as a tuition a semester for college. It was, and uh, he's like, if you drop out, he's like, I'm gonna kill you. So <laughs> we, uh, so I, I finished high school, and uh, then uh, I tried my hand at college. But you know, I was always like, yeah, you know, this, this is boring, you know. And my dad's like, I'll give you a free ride to college. Um, so I went to plan was to go to two years community college, and then transfer to graduate from university. It was Northern Virginia Community College, and I was put on academic probation my first semester. He's like, that's it. You know, get a job. I went down to the recruiter, uh, Staff Sergeant Barnaby, and I remember walking in. I remember the Marine guys trying to get me because they, they had facing doors. And he walked in the recruiting center, and they were just staring at each other. Marines looked great. As soon as I saw that combat infantry badge, and I knew I knew what I wanted to do. So, uh, so I, en- I enlisted as soon as I graduated basic AIT. Um, I just went right over to jump school and graduated jump school. And so um, what was basic like for you? It was easy. Okay, so did, uh, did actually not really. You're a kid who's you. You've been struggling in school. Yeah, and- but I was obnoxiously cock strong, like <laughs> to the point where like like I I hate jocks, but if you know I I was kind of that that kid who would like punch a jock in the face for the little guy, you mm-hmm. know, and I was kind of built like a little brick house so i could throw my weight around and yeah. i grab a piece of real estate bang it out like broad so you know he, it's it was uh <laughs> so you didn't ever at any point go oh oh no what have i gotten myself into this was did you feel like by oh, week this is my three purpose? that faded okay everybody has separation anxiety everybody's excited when the army picks you up in a limousine from the hotel in baltimore <laughs> where they put you up in and then and then the shark attack happens <laughs> yes. and then you know, so this was, I think this was the last of the good generation of drill sergeants. Um, you know, this was uh, right before the era that I've heard the bullshit relaxing Jackson with stress cards. This was either shark attack, either you make the cut for infantry or um, you don't belong in my army kind of kind of mentality and great leadership looking back on it. Everybody had ranger tabs. Everybody had airborne. Everybody had combat infantry badges. And I just remember... These men were like gods. They were giants among men and always squared away. You know, I, I, our, our cycle was the last cycle in BDUs. So black boots, iron, you know, everything. Uh, but so three weeks in, you're like, this is it. This is, I'm good. Yeah. Like I, there would be times where I was like, I don't need to call my dad on Sunday. Like the line for the payphones was obnoxious. I was like, if I could sleep for another 10 minutes, I was like, I'm doing it. Funny thing though. Um, so I, I kind of have a baby face and uh, basic basic training story. Um, and we lived in basically it was called a like a like, it was like a star fort. So you had your your form of barrier underneath, but um, the barracks were above. So on some of these newer ones, and uh, I remember we you know when we went across the tracks to basic from um, reception battalion, that was like when it really got serious. But uh, we'd have to wake up. Because our drill sergeants were helping on being the best platoon of the cycle, uh, waking up at like four forty-five in the morning, four thirty in the morning, and everybody had to file into the bathrooms, and, you know, shower, shave, get your stuff squared away for PT. And um, I would crawl into my bunk after I made it, put my PT uniform on, and sleep for another ten minutes because I didn't have to shave. And I remember I got kicked in the foot by my drill sergeant. Yeah. <laughs> Who the 
fuck is under there? And I, 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 I knew instantly. I was, I, I'm a pretty tan guy, but I went absolutely white. And I crawled out from under there, poked my head out, and there's Drill Sergeant Robinson staring at me. He's like, "What are you doing, Hendry?" I was like, uh, I immediately snapped to parade rest. I said, Drill Sergeant, I don't have to shave. I'm not fighting that line. Drill Sergeant, he's like, you're smart as f***ing private in here, as you were. <laughs> I said, Roger, Drill Sergeant. He's like, I'll see you in 10. Roger, Drill Sergeant. And he let me go back to bed. And oh I slept gosh. under my bunk for the rest of the cycle for another 10 minutes. <laughs> Finally, the uh, the best way to correct an issue in the military is through senior leadership, the power of suggestion. Have the guys square this one guy away. So finally got down to to our platoon, our our squad leaders going, okay, dude, everybody hates you. You square yourself away. Can you just stay up? He's like, you're really causing Because now it's like, why can he and I can't? I'm like, well, you guys are all ugly. Your hair, but I play ball. So yeah, I won't make any more waves for anybody. <laughs> yeah. Even though Drill Sergeant Robinson said I could, that obviously doesn't mean it. <laughs> so I'll listen to you guys with no rank and and red chevrons on plastic pinned to it. Okay. So what was your? Uh, so you get out of basic. You head to your first duty assignment. Mm-hmm. What was that? What was that experience? That transition. Because going from basic to <clears throat> even basic to AIT is a bit of a shift. But but that first duty assignment. Well, I felt pretty accomplished at that point with my jump wings. I, I held my chest out pretty big. Um, I had figured out what the term leg meant. I had figured out a lot of things. And um, I, uh, the Black Hats uh, at Jump School used to talk about the 82nd, their beloved 82nd, and how the 101st now are just uh, the air assault guys. So don't ever go to 101st. They... I don't know why they have the airborne tab. They haven't been airborne in years. Go to 173rd, um, uh, either become a sky soldier or hit the hit the All-Americans. And I had volunteered for All-Americans. So, and what are the All-Americans? Uh, it's the 82nd Airborne. Okay. So the our, our our division flag has airborne with AA. We used to joke and since the Alcoholics Anonymous. But uh, <laughs> once I got there, I, I was inundated with uh, the division's history and how we fought in World War One. We have a very rich um, – very rich – if you see our guide-ons, um, when, we, when we uncase our colors uh, – they're pretty much a force to be reckoned with. I mean, Bella Wood to to Korea to World War Two, um, obviously Normandy. You know, we we um, and we earned that division name by the All Americans because it, we came from every walk of life in World War One. This conglomerate, dysfunctional group of men that functioned and and just. Um, just rain down hate and discontent on the Germans in World War One. Um, you know that's, you know, I, you know the only other one I can think of is better is Seventh Cav with Custer, and I mean that goes back. You know, and you have some infantry regiments that date back to the Civil War, and you know you have um, the old guard, you know, who's stationed in D.C. who, you know, guard the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. You know, they've served with Washington and stuff like that. So. Um, I've always been a history nut, so I was. I have a question about mm-hmm. that. Um, what What does it mean to you? I mean, to to understand that history, to know that. I mean, did you feel um, like you had to, like you carried that with you? That there was something to measure up to? Oh, of what? course, you carry the generations of, of 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 past past members. I mean, you know when when you can 
when you can put on the miniseries Band of Brothers and swap a patch from a screaming chicken, sorry, Hunter and First, to an 82nd Airborne patch and know those boys went right through that you take a lot of pride knowing that you can be anywhere in the world, combat effective, boots on the ground, 12 hours, kicking in doors. I mean, the whole, the sole, sole purpose of, of, of a paratrooper is to be surrounded and just march to the sound of the closest gunfire. You know, I mean, it's, we're surrounded, situation excellent, I am attacking. You know, like, you, and especially being a, a grunt, like, you know, you, you, it's, it's perverted to a point. I've only discovered this, you know. I realized it while I was in. You take great pride in doing the thankless stuff, you know, like everybody knows the Rangers, everybody knows special forces, but but that that first C one seventeen that's after those guys is hitting the ground is, is the eighty second line infantry. So you know being being not the underdog, but a lot of guys, you know, they'll say, Oh, I'm mechanized infantry. You fuckers walk everywhere. Well, it takes a man to walk there, so let's go, you know. Um it, it and it knees to the breeze is where we belong. So I mean, it, you just take a lot of pride from that, you know. Doing like he is best served in the severest of schools, I think. So if it's easy, it ain't worth it. You know, if it's hard, that's 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 where the metal meets the meat. So so tell us about that first uh, <coughs> that first deployment. Um, well, we were in support of four uh, two. So they were, they were, it was a striker brigade. So uh, we were tasked out in their AO um, and we supported Operation Raider Harvest. So we did a lot of operations with them and support of them. What year is this? Do you remember what month and years? Uh, yeah, it was February uh, 06. No, February 06 that we got there. Mm-hmm. And we so did is, not. This is Iraq. This is in Iraq. Yeah. Uh, and Bush had just uh, did a bunch, a bunch of stop losses on guys, and mm-hmm. people were just losing their minds and, like, you know, getting extended. I remember mm-hmm. uh, we had a bunch of units diverted from Afghanistan who were on uh, JRTC and NTC who came down on they – were, they were training for these missions in Afghanistan. Um, and they were like <laughs> – Hey, how's your mount training? And they're like, I just, I can imagine the the battalion and and you know battalion commanders like, like wanting to like shoot themselves, but you know they they definitely they 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 charge after the mission. So anything that that we do, we we try and do the best. I mean, you know, I, they, there's just this no quit attitude line that runs, um, especially in combat soldiers who, it's like we we just won't fail. And yeah. I mean, the leadership that we had was astounding. I think this is a great time to take a break and hear from the businesses that are making this podcast possible. If you support us and what we are doing, please support them. Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson. And I'm Jason Lee. Listen to our free podcast, Voices of Reason, unless you enjoy screaming matches. Nope, you're not going to hear that with us. You'll hear folks who may disagree, but seek to understand different views. That's Voices of Reason on the KSL Radio app or wherever you find interesting podcasts. your personal life at this time i married this girl uh 
I was married and divorced, and uh, uh, we had a we had a son uh, who uh, um, the, who was born at 26 weeks premature. Uh, he passed away. Uh, I got a Red Cross flight home uh, from my deployment to bury him. I missed uh, his passing by 12 hours. Um, he was at uh, Primary Children's, and they tried to keep me on rear D. And um, the worst thing my dad told me that I could do ever is stay on rear detachment because. Um, I could not, I, it was falling apart anyway. We had already separated before I left, but you know, I was like, okay, we'll stay married healthcare, you know, you know, you can have the house, but just be gone when I get back. Um, you know, we'll do a custody agreement, you know, this, that, and the other. And she said, okay. And, uh, uh, I got, see, see, he, he was, he was born. That's kind of why we got married in the first place. Cause, mm-hmm. <laughs> We were young, and we had no business looking back on it ever being married. Yeah. I had no idea what I was going to have for breakfast the next day. That was a really crazy time. Devastated my family, and they just wanted me back. And they were gonna, um, they were gonna separate me medically as well, and I had to fight that. Um, separate you from the military? Mm-hmm. For okay. um, so I I saw a shrink, and um, who. Before I could get cleared to to go back to Iraq, I had to pass in basically what I come to call like a mental eval. And it's like, do you feel like, you know, you want to hurt other people? I'm like, well, yeah. I'm I'm an infantryman. That's that's what you trained me to do. Do you, do you, do you <laughs> feel like do you feel like the urge to kill every fucking day? You know, this is what we do. And um taking out of context though on a piece of paper, which is like what they see first, you know, they're going to call the MPs. They're going to search your pockets. You know, they're going to take your shoelaces, give you a PT vest. They're going to put you on suicide watch, just nonsense. Mm -hmm. And, um, and to be honest, it's going to sound really cold, but I don't know what hurt worse losing my son or not being in the suck with the guys. It was, um, that was incredibly hard. And I had the option for rear D. Like, they were like, hey, you know, we could use you back here. Uh, we're rotating wounded back. You know, they're doing the um, uh, the casualty, uh, or not casualty, the, um, uh, what do they call it when they notify? The next oh, thing? yeah. Um, it's like COA yeah. or COC. They're like, you know, we could really support you. You know, you could, you, you, you could support the battalion that way. Um, and I said, uh, I don't want to be... I can't. I can't work in an office. So how did you get back? What do you What do you mean? Did, at your home, they're trying to medically separate you. They're offering. Oh, my you. dad just said fight it because he's been in the government for 19 years. He's like, you okay. don't have to. This okay. isn't your choice. He's like, he's like, they can't make you do this. Mm-hmm. I said okay. So my leave was for uh, three weeks, and it got extended to a month. So by the time you get back in country, how much longer do you have on your deployment? Ooh. At that point, I want to say like eight months. Okay. Nine months. So this is about the halfway point then? Uh, a little before. Okay. Yeah, a little before. Um, he developed uh, neck, necrotizing endocolitis, and he had three quarters of his lower intestines removed. He had an ostomy bag. We had, you know, we had home health, uh, home hospice. Uh, they tried to release him from Madigan Army, or not Madigan, um, children's primary, primary children's, and he, he developed... Um, he got real jaundiced, I guess, and uh, 
uh, he actually passed away from uh, kidney failure. Mm-hmm. So because of the, he had a, a neckline. So he had all of like, so he couldn't orally digest anything. So everything that they were pumping into his, into his uh, carotid artery was like jacked up Gatorade to keep you alive. So um, they would have to come in and he had a pump. So it was, I just, just remember here in the background, like when I call her, just that was just, you know, this is his only lifeline. Uh, but they didn't, something went wrong. Um, uh, they, they weren't, I guess you have to stay on top of this shit. I don't know. I, I just know that when your, your kidney shut down, um, there, there was no donors or anything like that. And, uh, I remember she opted to take him off of basically he, um, at that point he, he was on life support. So she said, just unplug him, you know, and she held him until he passed and went cold. So that was, that was pretty much it. Yeah. It's kind of all I really want to talk about that. Yeah. Sure. Um, but so you go back and you're with, you go back into the same job. Yep. The yep. Same, same guys, platoon. Same uh, thing. yep. Was yep. it hard? Nope. To, to, I was embraced was and I mean, they, they, I mean, I remember lending a biop and, uh, you know, once I, once, once I, we, they figured out trans for us and we, I got back. Um, first thing that was said to me was by Sergeant Smeezing. He said, I missed you. F-. <laughs> I, and I think I knew I was home. That warmed your heart. <laughs> well, it, it, I, I, you know how bad I was craving that. <laughs> I needed that. And I love my mom. I love my dad. Um, kids, your grandma, grandpa are great. Uh, but there's something that these guys gave me in my moment of need that could never be replaced by anybody else. Mm-hmm. They they were my family, so. mm-hmm. and they still are to this day. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so uh, you say so you have about eight months left. Did it go pretty smoothly? Oh was yeah. Oh it- uh, no no no. Our op tempo. We were they were. This was the last stronghold of Al Qaeda after the Marines pushed them out of Fallujah. Um, this was after, uh, Ramadi. So, you know, I mean, you still had the Mahdi militia running around. You, you, you still had, uh, uh, I want to say Muqtada al-Sadr was still causing chaos. Um, and some of his little miscreants. So, uh, Al-Qaeda of Iraq, uh, Al-Qaeda Iraq, um, they, Al-Qaeda was, was still very organized at the time. Um, we had a lot of, uh, foreign fighters that would come over. Just, um, a lot of, uh, it's a lot of bad people dude like i don't i don't even know how to how to explain it like just just, they just came over just to try and us up like and they had they had they had learned from all of these other conflicts that i mean i mean they were just they were knocking knocking holes in walls and buildings they were booby trapping front doors we didn't know how to breach and clear anymore we were having to change our tactics you know it was you know it was crazy. Like it was, um, urban, urban combat is, 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 is the scary in the world. Like it's, it truly is every window, every crack, every roof, every corner. Like, like they don't give a about what vehicles you pull up in. They don't care. Like they, mm-hmm. they just, so how do you manage that? When you get scared, oh my because God. first of all, it happens. And I, and I know everybody thinks they're <coughs> mm-hmm. super tough, but I worry about the guy who's not scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get him yeah. the f- out of here. Yeah. So how do you, how do you, how do you manage that? When you recognize, okay, I'm scared. How do I make sure I still Everything think right? right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Well, I tell you, um, as you know, as you probably know from Iraq, you have you have long you have moments of complete boredom, like like not knowing what to do with yourself. Yeah, and I'm gonna throw out this this the time space continuum, if I may, <laughs> gets really f-ed up in combat because uh, you know every everybody lives life at the same speed but in those moments of terror it doesn't move at the same speed i mean the once and and that's that's that even that's even true after the the moments of terror like when i'm probably wrong but the serotonin and the adrenaline leaves your body it's like you just ran a an iron man everything like you know, and especially in the moments of terror and you're trying to maneuver, um, your legs will feel like lead. Like you won't feel like you're moving fast enough. You won't feel like your guys are moving fast enough. You can't not yell. Um, and uh, but, but some things, too, are happening almost in slow motion. That's not really the right way to describe it. but No, no that's absolutely time. <laughs> A second feels like 20 yeah. minutes. It's yeah. like it's like. Stop! Like, I mean, and you're getting, you know, you're getting on the squad net. You know, you're, you know, you're trying to maneuver the guys. You know, you're trying to, you're trying to keep your, you know, your your PL up to date. Your fucking team leader. Your, you know, all your squad leader. You know, your platoon sergeant is fucking people up. Um, and you know, it's it's controlled chaos at, at its greatest. I mean, at its finest. You know, I mean, it is absolutely controlled chaos. To, from what you can control, everything else you just react to. You know that's all you can do. So what happens when you roll back in inside the wire? You've just had this experience, whether it's a firefight mm-hmm. or a roadside bomb. Any of those situations tend to put you a little bit on edge. Then you get back inside the wire. How do you come down from that? How do you? What were? You, what did you do to to try to figure that one out? Um, uh, we used to become um, very angry because uh, our first impression is rolling back into the fob of these f-ing clean cut f-ers who just want to. Oh my god! How oh, oh my god, dude! Like, um, you know we, you know I we we got to get you know we got to get the vehicle serviced. You know I we need to draw ammo. You know I gotta. I gotta, I gotta, um, I gotta check my mags. I gotta clear my weapon. You know, will you fucking stop talking to me? Uh, is there any hot chow? Like, uh, I, I don't know. Like, you walk past guys who were playing Xbox from the talk, and you're just like, I, you just want to put your boot through the TV, mm-hmm. just knock it over. You know, just take that Xbox and just smash it on the ground and say, uh, you know, I can't believe we're getting paid the same. It's the same rank for the same job because you ain't pulling your f-ing weight. But I mean, everybody's deployment's different. Now that I'm older, I look back on it, um, and that's where the pride comes in. Doing what they either wouldn't, couldn't, or chose not to. What What are, are you? I mean, how, what's your connection to family like? Do you talk to your parents much? Do you? Is it easier? Is it easier for you just to be in Iraq and with your guys uh, and not? thinking about we could send emails whenever there was an available computer whenever these had not had it 
Um, but there was a mad rush for the phones and everything like that. And it just, mm-hmm. it was more frustrating than anything. And Did um, thinking about your family help you or did it make it harder? No, because like, like you, you don't really, like the guys there, it's more unspoken. You don't have to talk about what you just went through. They were there. You don't, you don't, this isn't like a therapy session. It's more like a, you know, there was a routine like we'd, we'd go and, and step outside and, you know, somebody would have a pack of cigarettes. And first thing it did was flick the box open and give it a little flick and just start passing that open box of smokes around. And whoever f- wants one, just take one. And nothing had to be said. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to say anything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I realized like sometimes with my family and you don't really realize it when you're going through it. But like, um, I didn't really, I, you don't really tell them much. Um, but, uh, I, I realized like sometimes you do more damage with communication than you, than, um, without, because you have all the time in the world to discuss this. But I'll tell you from the time, uh, I left the time we got back, my dad probably aged 60 years. I think my struggle was how to unburden myself though. Yeah. Because my shoulders were so heavy all the time because each 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 man there carried the weight of the world on them and and like we were talking about a minute ago how time slows down and like how like the sheer terror times it's just it's so intense but i mean when you when i start to analyze it it's like nothing else matters other than right here right now do you go left right or do you ranger scroll the road what do you do like, where's your Overwatch? Like, what do you like? Like, how are we executing this? Um, where's you know, where's second platoon at? Are we gonna pop our heads up on this roof and we get f-ing smoked because the striker driver, the TC on one on his FLIR can't can't uh, dis- disassociate US from because we don't have our IFFs on. You know, we should we put our uh, IR flags on? Like, like we've already had we've already had friendly fire incidents um more times than i'd like to recall in our deployment we had an fo get his foot shot off by a 50 cal because he poked his head up above um just just on on the roof and just a just a young e4 just got trigger happy and sent 20 rounds on that roof and he blew half his foot off yeah that's that was month month one of our deployment yeah friendly fire we have friendly fire all the time it was terrible you know you wouldn't even put your head in a window there for a little while till we got our our feng shui down yeah. if you will because everybody's nervous everybody's squirrely and i mean honestly i can't blame the boys they just want to get a kill mm. what about um i noticed uh, for a lot of people who've been in combat there's this moment including my dad where you realize you think you know i don't think i'm gonna make it through this like if, i think this is where i'm gonna you know and i have to stop caring about that did you have any- oh our 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 our, our leadership ingrained that in, in into us he said you cannot function with the will to live at the forefront of your thoughts if you just let go now you will function you will you will you won't be a better version of you but you will be the functioning version of you that we need to accomplish the mission that uh, we've been tasked with and um so was it not thinking about it or is it life um, never really crossed your mind until you saw like civilian casualty like you know there's like uh, I think Mattis said it the best. He's like, "There's some just some bad people in this world. They just yeah. need to be shot in the face." That's gospel. There are there are people who, who who 
rape children, who kidnap, who behead. Like, I have cut here tattooed around my neck with dotted lines. So they don't miss. Like, that's how serious it was. Like, my mom's going to wonder why I'm laughing on this Al-Qaeda video. And, you know, but we were all pretty content that we wouldn't give them that. So, like, I put mm-hmm. cut here with dotted lines around my neck. I wasn't, <laughs> we were expecting the worst. Mm-hmm. But that's how the impulsivity, the the youth in me, the the mm, rage against authority, the the whole the whole fuck you come get it attitude of the infantry is ingrained, I think, in who I am, and I struggle with that every day because like, I I don't care if you want to hear me, but I'm gonna be heard, you know, and <laughs> that that's either greatly appreciated, whatever circumstance, or it's a fireable offense in my civilian career. So, so what happens? <clears throat> so what happens when you get home? So you the deployment ends. You get, uh, you know, you get a typical duty. leave. Yeah. Um, you know, I my parents were divorced at the time, so uh, I spent. Uh, uh, they they wanted to do a combined, uh, um, like, uh, so my mom wanted me to come there for the first two weeks. Um, uh, my dad was very professional. Um. I was like, Dad, you don't have to take off work. Like, I'll get home. I'll, I'll see you. He's like, okay. He's like, uh, he's like, I don't mind, you know, doing the whole home, the the redeployment home, the the marching in in the gym, the flags, the uh, company, you know, attend hot, you know, fall out, see your families. Like, but you're coming back, and that's what it, that's what civilians want to wrap you in, right? Yeah, you can keep it. <laughs> no, I don't want that. I didn't. I didn't do this for the free meal on November 11th or whatever the <laughs> it is that Applebee's will give you. If it's a margarita, I'm in. But I don't want your steak. Like this isn't what we do this for, you know. No. And eventually, the accolades and and the accomplishments and 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 the the, the pedestal all goes away. Mm-hmm. And you get this this cold hard fact that I'm we we are just doing a job. Mm-hmm. Do it well. A job that not too many people want to do. But also a, yeah. a job that not many people understand. Like we don't really understand. Um, do you – I mean I, I guess the one thing I would ask you is um, do you feel like you were a different person when you got home? I don't know the guy who, who, who existed as me before I enlisted in the industry. Like I mean we can want a basic training. They showed us beheading videos. Like they they they, they were – they literally pulled the gloves off. They were like, you boys will be in country. Uh, as soon as you can rotate NTC, JRTC, you are boots on the ground. You are full go. Um, and they they level with us. They, they're like, in five years, some of you will not be on this earth. Just in this platoon of basic training. He like, he's like, look around to the boys you see here. There will be casualties. You will not have arms. You will. You will have. You'll catch a. You'll catch a round in the spine. You, you. You. Most. Some of you will be paralyzed. Some of you will have vehicle rollovers. Some of you are just going to have friendly fire. You know, not all of you will make it. And that was day one. As a nineteen-year-old kid, how do you? What What does that do to your head? What does that do to you? What are you thinking when you hear that? Well, I guess it killed the guy you were. Yeah, I don't know that kid. I'll have a go though. I'll have a go. Let's go. I it just but you're 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 what? You're you're eight feet tall and bulletproof?
Join us again for the next episode of We Happy Few. If you have comments about the show, please contact us by email at tips at loudmouthproject.com or on Twitter at loudmouthjason. Check out our website at loudmouthproject.com and navigate to the We Happy Few page. You can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcast, iTunes, and other places where you find interesting shows. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback, and it helps grow our audience. We would like to thank our producer and editor, Josh Tilton, and our creative director, Amy Donaldson, for adding the spit and polish to our show. I'm Jason Comstock, and until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and stay engaged. We Happy Few is a production of the Loudmouth Project.